Good morning. I have to start off by thanking my son. I, uh, one of the reasons I like being in the back is because the dress code is a lot simpler. So I get to get away with jeans and a t-shirt most days. So this morning I woke up and realized I had to put on slacks and that I had like one pair of slacks and couldn't figure out what shirt to go with it. So if it goes, it's because my son has a good sense of style. If it doesn't, he's the one that led worship today, so you can talk to him about that later. Yeah. <laughs> if you all would join me in turning to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter one, and we're gonna start and, and we're gonna really focus on verses six and seven. So first Peter one, verses six and seven. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we come before you right now. We just thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word, Lord, to be encouraged by your word and to grow. And we pray that you would just prepare our hearts, Lord, for the things that you have for us, Lord. That you would just speak to us. And that, Lord, that we would just... Uh, we just continue to grow deeper in a relationship with you. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this is uh, one of those passages that is just, it's really neat and encouraging, but at first glance, it seems really weird. And I have to admit, you know, it's not generally something that I normally run to, but I was, I've been reading with a friend of mine. We've been reading through our Bibles and, and we got to First Peter and I read through the first chapter and I was really excited and, and I was like, man, you know what? I, I know what God wants to, to talk to me about this week. And so, you know, I, I know what I want to share. And I was telling this friend and, and she goes, oh, well, like send me a synopsis, send me a summary of what you're going to teach on. And so I texted her and I was like, oh, I'm going to teach on, you know, the joy that we can have in trials, the strength that we have in trials. She's like, oh, that sounds good. And on Monday, it sounded good to me too. But then during the week, one of the things that God decided would be a great idea was to test my joy and strength in trials. And from Monday until basically Friday, anything that could go wrong went wrong. Our air conditioner went out one day. Then we got that fixed. And then we were getting ready for my wife's aunt to come into town. So we were cleaning our house. And we moved a bookcase and we found a leak in the living room. And then, you know, just a bunch of other things that I'm not going to bore you with all the details. But at one point I considered changing my teaching to the joy and blessings because I was like, man, if this is the way this is going to go, I, I went the wrong way with this. But it was one of those where it was like, you know what? It was a wonderful reminder that sometimes it's easier to, to talk about it than to live it out. 
And I think that there are times that in our lives that we talk about, hey man, you know what, the tests that come, you know, and we share it with other people. And we say, man, you know, God is strong in our weakness. He is strong. Trust in the Lord, all these things. But sometimes it's so easy to lose sight of that in the middle of the trials. Sometimes it's so easy to get so discouraged and to start looking at all the other things and to take our eyes off of God. And that's why I love what Peter says here. And I love his letters because his letters, they're just so full of hope. And I think a lot of that comes from his personal life, from the experiences that Peter went through, that he learned the importance of that hope. You know, in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, we see one of those experiences. We see one of the things that Peter went through. And probably one of those times that he ended up learning how important it is to have that hope, to have that knowledge, and also to know who your hope is placed in. Because here we see this account of where in verse 31 it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You know, it's one of those moments that's just really hardcore in Peter's life. You know, where Jesus tells a man, Satan has asked for you and he wants to put you through the ringer. He's going to put you through the ringer. There, are go there is going to be an intense trial in your life, Peter. It's coming. But know that you're going to come through it because he says, man, but I, not only have I prayed for you, but when you have returned, strengthen the brethren. And there is a hope given to Peter in the midst of what he's about to go to that not only is he going to make it through, but he's not going through it alone. I love that idea of the fact that he says, man, I have prayed for you. I am interceding for you. I'm there with you. I'm going through this with you. I'm not going to leave you alone in this trial, Peter. And it's going to produce something in your life. It's going to produce something not only for you, but also for the people around you. And so it may not necessarily be something that you're looking forward to. It may not be something that you've chosen in your life or that you would choose if you had the opportunity to. But Peter, it is going to produce much fruit in your life. Don't quit. And I think it's one of those things that now Peter, looking back and, and now writing his own letter and encouraging the church and really encouraging us, it's that same attitude that we see in his letter here where he talks about, you know, counting it joy when we go through the trials. In verse 6 of, of chapter 1, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. There is so much I like in that verse, one of which is that Peter says, man, there are times that there is a need for the trials in our lives, for the times of testing. Because a lot of times it is those things that take us out of our comfort zone. That take us out of that place where we've just gotten just so complacent sometimes, so just comfortable. And again, it's like anything else in life. You know, when we get to that place where we're comfortable, we want to stay there. You know, the hardest thing for me this morning, the biggest trial for me this morning was just getting out of bed because it was so comfortable. 
And my wife is going through this period in her life, and she'll probably kill me when she hears I said this, but she's going through this period in her life where it's never cold enough. So my daughter, she tells me sometimes, Daddy, it's like Antarctica in here. I'm like, I know, sweetheart. Like, we're walking around in sweatshirts. You know, and so I'm all bundled up, and, you know, my daughter had fallen asleep next to me. So it was like that sweet spot of comfort where, man, I was warm, and the bed was nice. And my son is, was leading worship, so he had to get up at 7 or at like 6.30 this morning. And he comes in, and he's like, Dad, you have to bring me to church. And my initial reaction wasn't, oh, man, I'm so glad it's Sunday. We get to go praise the Lord. This is awesome. Oh, my son's leading worship. What a blessing. No, my, I looked at him, and I was like, you are 17. Why don't you drive yet? You know, like I was just so annoyed because I was comfortable. And man, a lot of times, that's how it is, even in life. When the trials come, when the tests come, we don't look at them and say, oh man, you know what, God, what are you going to do in this? God, what an opportunity is for, for me to grow, for me to learn, for you to be glorified. We look at it with annoyance and we say, man, why? Why is this happening right now? Well, Peter says, because sometimes there is a need for those trials in our lives. Because as I have learned in different areas, and one of the things that they tell us constantly at the gym as we're going through these workouts, is that the growth comes in the places where we push ourselves to that point of being uncomfortable. Because if we stay where we're comfortable all our lives, nothing changes. But it's when you get to that place where, man, you step out, where things are a little bit uncomfortable, that, man, things begin to be tested. That, man, we see that growth. And it's one of those things that, man, we need to accept. We need to understand in our walk. We were even just telling some kids on Friday at Youth for Christ that in a lot of ways, I think we have it backwards as we tell our kids, or especially our young ladies, about what to look for in a man. You know, in, in, whether it's in cartoons, fairy tales, whatever else, we're always taught to look for our knight in shining armor. And that's what we tell them to look for. Look for that guy, that knight in shining armor. But one of the things I realized is that a lot of times the knight in shining armor, his armor is shiny because he's never been in a fight. And one of the things we told the kids is don't look for a knight in shining armor. Look for a knight who's come through the battles. Look for a knight whose armor shows the wear and tear of being tested, of being proven, and has come through. You know, there are times in our lives that I think we try and we pre want to present this image of the perfect Christian. Where we show up to church and man, things are not going well in life at that moment. Where we're struggling, maybe we're fighting with our children Maybe there are things going on at work that just are, are, it's a struggle and we're dreading going back to work on Monday. But we show up to church and we feel like, well, you know what? I have to present this image that everything is good because if not, then man, you know what? Then people are going to wonder why it is that I'm struggling. I'm not a good enough Christian if I'm struggling. No, you're a real Christian if you're struggling. You know, the other thing we talk to the kids about is that, man, we don't want to see perfect Christians. We want to see real ones. 
One of the kids gave me a hard time as I was walking down the hall today. He said, Pastor Sam, it's so neat that you're dressed up, but you could have ironed your shirt. I was like, man, what have I done to you, Lord? Like, I was like, man, I can't even show up to church without trials. But I, I, I was... I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I need to let them know my shirt was ironed when I started the day. It was wrinkle-free. But I have a six-year-old that, when she wakes up in the morning, thinks she's six months old. And I have to carry her everywhere she goes because her legs don't work. You know, and it's one of those things that the shirt that starts off being so nice looking and, and on the hanger, the outfit looks so great. Within half an hour, it looks like, dude, did you sleep in it? Because it's been worn. Because it didn't just stay on the hanger. You know, it's sometimes we need to make sure that we're not just leaving our Christianity on the hanger. There are going to be the wrinkles. There are going to be the tears. There are going to be the bruises, the marks. But see, those aren't things to be ashamed of. Those are the lessons that we've learned along the way. The things that we can share with the others. Of the battles that the Lord has brought us through. He says, man, if need be, you will go through these trials. I like one of, the, one of the other things that he says, is he says that you will be grieved by them. That these are going to be things that, man, they're going to be difficult to go through. That it's not one of those that, man, you know, if your car breaks down on your way to work tomorrow, that if you're not dancing on the hood of the car thanking the Lord for the opportunity to trust him, then you failed in some way. It's okay to admit that there are things that cause pain, that cause suffering. You will be grieved. But there is a difference between admitting that and completely breaking down. You know, there is an ability to have joy in the middle of all of that, to have peace. I also love that he says it's for a little while. Because it's a wonderful reminder when we go through those times of trials and testings because it never feels like it's only a little while. It feels in the moment like it's forever. You know, but I love living in El Paso because there are constant reminders, constant little lessons that we can take from living in the city. And especially when it comes to the storms of our life, because man, we know how quick storms pass in El Paso. Like when it rains here, it can be intense. The other day it was raining, I forget what day it was, I forget if it was this week or last week, but it rained and it rained hard. Like I was running to out running errands and so I had left my son with my daughter and I was picking up dinner and he calls me and, and he's like, Dad, it's hailing outside. Like you can hear stuff hitting the house. And I was like, oh man, that's crazy. Like I need to get home. I was home in maybe five, ten minutes. By the time I got home, not only was it not hailing, it wasn't even raining. And there was no like, like the, the sidewalk was already starting to dry out. 
And it was one of those things where it was like, man, in the moment, the storm was intense. And I was like, man, you know what? I was worried for my kids. I was worried for my house. I was worried about all those things. But man, you know what? It passed so quickly. I was talking to somebody after service and they were like, yeah, you know what? It was one of those that, man, we live in Central and we didn't even really get much rain. I was like, yeah, that's El Paso too. It's one of those that, man, you notice the, the briefness of the storm because you can drive from the east side to the west side and go through all four seasons. And it's one of those that, man, you know, you're using your windshield wipers and have the heater on, and in 10 minutes, you've got the air conditioner on. Because, man, the storm fades, it passes, it's a moment. Peter says it's for a moment. And man, that is such an encouragement when we're going through it. Because it's not going to be forever. This is not our life. And he says, man, going back to the beginning, in this you greatly rejoice. Rejoice in what? Not necessarily the trial, but in who it is that is with you in it. And we see that when we go back and we look at verses 3 through 5. Because it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter says, this is what you rejoice in, in your inheritance that is living, that is eternal, that is undefiled, that is being kept for you and held for you by the one that holds you in his hands. Something that cannot be taken, something that can't be removed, something that can never lose its value. It says rejoice in that as you go through the trials, hold on to that because that's where your rock is. That's where the peace is in the storm. That's where the joy is found that, hey, yeah, I may be going through all sorts of other stuff. You know, we even see it when you look at the first chapter of Job. And you read through all the challenges that Job faced where it was like loss after loss after loss after loss. And you get to the end of it and you see the way that Job is able to worship. He says, man, the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because his hope was not in all the stuff he had in the things he'd been blessed with. His hope was based on the one that gave them to him. And whether he had a lot or a little, it didn't change who his God was. And that was the constant in his life. I think sometimes one of the things that we lose sight of is we get so distracted by all the things that we can see, the things in the world, who's in office, who's not, what decisions are being made, all these other things. And we start to get frustrated, we start to get down, we start to get discouraged. But we need to remember that, man, our hope is not placed on some political figure, on some job, some thing. But it's based on the one that sent his son to die on, a, die on the cross for us. And that's a hope that doesn't disappoint. And it's that hope that allows us to have joy. 
and to continue through the times of testing and trials. And it's so important to remember that, to hold on to that. I love Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. Because in there we see this just awesome prayer, this awesome reminder. And in fact, Psalm 121 is just an awesome, encouraging psalm. But in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's where my hope is. That's where my strength is. And when the trials become so big, the storm becomes so difficult, I'll look up. Too many times we start to look around. Who's standing with me? Who can I go to? We need to look up. Before anywhere else, we need to look up. And man, we will know where our help is. You know, it's one of those things that I think sometimes when we go through the trials, what makes them sometimes a little bit more difficult is that we get so caught up in the why. Why is this happening? Why is it happening now? All these different things. One of the things that we have have been telling the kids is that the whys a lot of times we find don't really help and a lot of times don't necessarily even matter. Because even if we were given the answer, we wouldn't necessarily understand them and I can almost guarantee we wouldn't agree with them. The why doesn't help. You know, when I'm walking in the, through my house in the middle of the night and I step on a Lego, knowing why it was there, it doesn't make the pain go away. You know, as I'm jumping around and like, you know, feeling like, you know, I, my foot just got cut off. I'm not like, oh, okay, well, my daughter left her Lego because she was playing here last night. Oh, the pain's gone. No, it just makes me more angry because I'm like, why is she booby trapping my house? Why does she hate me? The why doesn't help. And a lot of times in our trials, we want to know why things are happening, why it's happening to us, why at this moment, and none of that is going to help. But the who does. Who's in control in the midst of it? Who's with us? Who hasn't left our side? The one who made the heaven and the earth. And we like to remember stories. We, we love to share stories with our children and teach them in Bible class, whether it's Daniel and the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through the fiery furnace. We love those stories. They're amazing stories, and they're things that we should take hold of and remember. But we need to remember the peace that these men had as they went through those things and where they found that peace. Where they found that peace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to tell the king, hey, we have no need to answer you in this matter regarding this idol you want us to worship. If you decide to throw us in the fire, that's totally within your power. But we are going to continue to worship our God whether he delivers us or not. Because my situation doesn't change who he is. 
There was a peace, a surety, because they knew who had their lives in, their, in his hands, and more importantly, who had their future in his hands. And so they were able to face the fire because they knew and they trusted who it was who had called them to it. A lot of times, the problem we have in our trials is that we sometimes don't trust the one that's bringing us through it. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we forget it's the one who made the heavens and the earth. The one that walked in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that closed the mouth of the lions. That if he could do all those things, there's no limit to what he can do in my life and what he can use the trials for. Because the cool part of those examples is the way that the faith of those men impacted the people around them. That when the king saw four men walking in the fire, his life was changed. When they saw Daniel chilling with the lions, people's lives were changed because of what was happening in the trial. You know, it's something we see even in Acts 16, verses 25 through 33, when we look at the example given to us of Paul and Silas in prison, that they have been thrown in prison for going out and witnessing and ultimately for delivering this woman from, from demon possession. But because it threatened the, the livelihood of some of the men, they rose up and they, they had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. And in verse 25 it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And I love it because it points out something that we forget sometimes, that it's sometimes in the darkest times of our lives that people are listening the closest. They want to see how real our faith is. Is it something that we hold on to when things get real, when things aren't going exactly the way that we want? The prisoners around, they're listening. And a lot of times they're listening hopefully because they're hoping that the peace that you've talked about is real. One of the things we were sharing last night is that a lot of times the prisoners for us in our lives that are listening are our children. Sometimes because they're legitimately prisoners in our house because they're in trouble and we've taken everything away from them. But they're looking at it when things don't go well, when we're struggling to pay the bills maybe, or when a car breaks down or whatever the case may be. They're looking to see is what mom and dad tell us about the rest of the week or have been telling us about in our lives. Is that what they really believe? Or man, is it just something that they talk about? Is it just something that sounds good? And I'm going to tell you, they're listening hopefully because they're looking for that peace in their lives. The kids that we see today, man, they're struggling. We're seeing more and more them losing hope at a very young age. 
and taking their own lives because everything that the world is throwing at them that's supposed to make them feel full and happy and all those other things, they're finding to be empty. And they're looking to see a Christianity that's real. They're looking to see one whose faith can face the fire and bring them through it. And they need to see it in us. It's why one of the things we tell our leaders as they come into the youth room is one of the things that we ask of them is to be transparent before the kids. We don't want people to come in to play the game. We want people to be real and to live out their faith, to let them see those moments where, man, they're struggling because they can see then how God delivers them through those moments. That they can be the real-life Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. They can be the real-life Daniels in these kids' lives that they can look at and say, yes, I've read the stories, but I've also seen it in someone's life. But it comes from knowing where our joy is. It's what allowed Paul and Silas to sing. And as, they were as the prisoners were listening in verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who, all who were in his house. And we see the reason why Paul and Silas were in that prison. It was to reach the heart of the jailer. Sometimes we spend so much time complaining about the trials that we're going through instead of worshiping the God that is leading us through them that we miss out on what it is he wants to do in the middle of it. And it's one of those reminders for me that I look at and I say, man, you know what? It is in those moments that I need to be worshiping. It is in those moments I need to hold on to my faith. I need to remember who my God is because of not only what he's going to do in me, but also of the lesson it can be to the people around me, the witness it can be, the encouragement it can be, and the lives that can be impacted through it. It's not about being a knight in shining armor. It's about being a faithful soldier in the battle. You know, he goes on in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, and he tells us again the purpose of the trials. And one of the things I think we need to remember is that there is always a purpose. But he says, in this you greatly rejoice, again, going back through it, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that what? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, though it 
that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says that the genuineness of your faith can be tested, can be shown. And I like the example he gives of gold being taken through the fire. Because as I was going through it and as, as I was studying, one of the examples it gave was it talked about the care that has to be put in as you take gold through the fire to purify it. That is not something that you can necessarily just throw in there and leave. Because if you do that, you risk losing the gold in the fire. That there has to be attention placed to the temperature in the furnace. And to the amount of time the gold is left in there. So that you can remove all the impurities from it. But still pull the gold out in time so that it has the most value. Its highest value. And so that the person running the furnace has to have care. And it was that reminder that, man, as we go through the trials, sometimes it feels like it's intense. It feels like we're alone. But we need to remember who has his hand on the thermostat. Who's watching over us as we go through it. One of the other verses that we share with the kids a lot of times is Philippians 1.6. Where Paul reminds us and, and he shares with us that faith that he has where he says being confident of this thing that he who has began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the end. It's another one of those great reminders as we're going through the trials that man, God's not done. I remember a few years back I was at a, a Chihuahua's game with my family and I got a real heartbreaking text from one of the kids that I had known for a long time in the youth. She had gotten married and she had gone away with her husband, but she was coming home and, and she texted me and she said, Sam, I'm that girl. I'm the girl that went to college and got pregnant at 19 and got divorced by the age of 21. That's my story. And it broke my heart because it was just so sad. So hopeless. And I told her, you know what, dude? That's not your story. Your story is not done. At worst, this is the first chapter. But God hasn't finished what he's doing in your life. And you may not see it now, but he is going to use this at some point. Don't give up. He who has began the good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You're not done yet. I think there are times in our lives that we wish that we could fast forward through the trials very much like we do with movies. Or maybe that's just me. Well, my daughter also. I love watching movies with her. My wife and son get frustrated with us. But we are the type that, you know, when in every movie there's always that moment where things start to fall apart. So Layla and I just fast forward through it. And we're like, this doesn't make me feel good. Let's get to the end where everybody's happy. So sometimes movies in my house last for like 45 minutes because it's just like the beginning. Oh, this is cute. All right, it's over. You know, and my wife and son are like, we, we, they don't watch movies with us often. But I'm also the type that when a movie comes out, because I don't like to feel tense and nervous through the movie, you know, I don't like to go opening weekend when Avengers came out. Everybody's like, oh, are you going? Are you going? And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to wait a couple of days because I need to read the spoilers. I need to know before I go who dies and who lives. 
And they're like, you are ridiculous. Why even go watch the movie? Well, because now I can enjoy it. You know, like I know how it ends. And sometimes I, I think we want, we want to know all the answers. You know, God is it's taking us through something and we're like, okay, well, I will only continue if you tell me exactly how this is going to play out. I remember years ago when my wife and I, we went through our, we, we had had a miscarriage and I was flying out to meet her because she had gotten stuck in St. Louis. And I remember my dad telling me, dad, uh, son, you know what? Don't lose hope. God is with you. And I remember thinking, you know what? Then, then where? How? Just get us to the end already. Let me see how this is going to work out. Because right now in the moment, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Like I said, we like to tell the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sometimes we even say, man, you know how cool it would have been to be those guys. But we look at the end of the story and not the middle. It probably didn't feel cool to them. We like it because we know how the story ends as they're facing the furnace. They didn't know how it was going to end. But because of their faith, they were able to see it through. Because of the hope. Because they knew where their hope was. Because hope plays a big part of it. When we have hope, we are willing to do things and, and go further than we would otherwise. There's a guy that I know that he is, uh, he is chasing after this girl. And she's like, you know, super fit and stuff. And so one of the things that they do together is they go run. And the other day he texted me, well, she texted me first. And she was like, dude, we ran 13 and a half miles today. And then he go, he texts me and he was like, dude, something bad happened last night. I was like, dude, what? I ran 13 and a half miles. I was like, what's wrong with you? And he goes, well, it's because she just wanted to keep running. And I didn't want to be apart from her. So I ran with her. I was like, and he was like, you should come with us. And I said, no. I have no problem being apart from either one of you. Because there is no hope that's going to get me to run 13. There is nothing better than the friendship I already have with you. I have a great friendship. I don't need to go and chase you for 13 miles. But he has this hope that the more time he spends with her, eventually it's going to turn into something. So he ran a half marathon for fun. Because he has hope. You know, sometimes it's that which keeps us going long after we would otherwise have given up. And here we have a hope that won't disappoint. Continue through the test. Because what? When you get through it, it says what? That it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That that's the ultimate goal, that we might bear fruit. That we might be a witness in John 15, 
Verses one through eight, Jesus tells us the same thing as we look at it. In John 15, verse one, he says this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But notice it says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He goes on and says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The tests, the pruning, are so that we may be fruitful. You know, there are songs that we sing that I don't think we necessarily believe because we sing songs like, Holy fire, burn away anything that is not of you but is of me. And we sing those songs and sometimes we raise our hands in worship and we, we sing them as, as prayers. But when God begins to answer those prayers, we become bitter and angry because we've gotten comfortable with where we're at. We've gotten comfortable with those things and we say it, but we don't necessarily want it. Man, burn away those things that are not of you. Prune me, purify me. Those are all things that we pray we want. Hey, Lord, let there be more of you and less of me. Understand what it means, that that means that there are going to be times that you have to be taken through the fire to get there. Because there are things that can only be taken away by the fire. But there is a purpose for it. There is a reason. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18, Paul also encourages us as we go through these, these things in our lives. And it's again one of those, those passages that I don't know that necessarily we would, we would write but here Paul says, in starting in verse 16 of chapter 4, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There, again, so much that, that we can focus on in that, but there are just a couple of things. He says, first of all, don't give up, don't lose heart. There may be difficult times. You know, similar to what Peter is saying, hey, there will be trials. But understand that the physical things that you're going through are building a spiritual strength in you. Like I said, I, I like going to this gym that we go to, but there are exercises that we do that are not my favorite. 
clearly I am not a fan of sit-ups. It's one of those things that, you know, it just constantly reminds me of the fact that I have not quite mastered the art of giving up donuts. I don't think that that necessarily is an art that I ever want to be a master of because if you have to stop eating donuts to be fit, I'd rather be fat. But we do sit up sometimes and there's this one coach, he's, he's a really sweet dude and he knows I struggle with them. So I'll start off and I'll, I'll be keeping up with people but at a certain point, he'll see me start slowing down and spending more time lying on the ground than trying to sit back up. And so yesterday we were doing the workout and we were doing sit-ups and he comes by and he's like, come on, Sam, you can do it. We're working for that beach body. You and me, man. You know, and he's standing there and he's like, get up, get up, get that beach body. And I was like, okay. You know, and so I kept going because I was like, okay, that's why we're doing it. It's so I can go out to the beach. Oh, all right. Never crossed my mind like in that moment that, you know, five extra sit-ups is not going to give me a six-pack. But in that moment, I was like, yeah, you're right. That's what we're doing. We're working for this. Cool. Let's keep going. And it gave me hope, false hope, but it gave me hope to keep going. Don't lose heart. The other thing he says is our light affliction. Understand that Paul is not saying that the things that we're going through are necessarily always going to be little things, but he says that because of what? He compares it to what we're gaining. And when you put it into perspective, as intense as the trials are, they're nothing compared to the reward that is coming. Not only that, but when you put it in perspective, you understand what Peter and Paul are saying when they say it's but for a moment. Because really this life is but for a moment. So the things we go through in it are even briefer, shorter. I don't know if briefer is a word. I'm sure somebody will tell me. But they're even shorter because, man, you look at it and, yeah, you know what? Sometimes it seems like life is long. But, man, one of the things I have learned is somebody said one time I saw it on, on Facebook or somewhere because that's where I get a lot of my wisdom is Facebook quotes. But it said something along the lines of, you know, the days seem long, but the years seem fast. I was like, man, that's so true. Like sometimes it's just like, man, a day drags by, but then you next thing you know, it's the end of the year and you're like, where'd the day go? It's brief, it's fast. And again, there's the encouragement in that. What you're going through is gonna go by. And he says, again, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are, seen, are not seen are eternal. It says, keep your eyes on the hope that is waiting for you. The joy that is waiting for you. Man, there are some in this room that have been through trials that I can't even imagine. Things that you have gone through that, man, you know, it... it it's a blessing to see the joy that you still have in your life. 
one of the blessings of growing up in this church is that I have seen people go through just amazingly difficult times, but I have seen how God has brought them through and that man, though they may have suffered loss, the joy in Christ has just increased tremendously. I remember one time going and uh, my premarital counselor and I met a few times for follow-ups after my wife and I got married. And I remember going to meet with him one time at Village Inn and he's sitting there and he's like, Sam, let me tell you about what God's doing in my week. And I said, okay, cool. And he goes, "Um, I lost my job this week. And my first thought was like, dude, I don't think you're supposed to show up to these things drunk, man. Like, you're way too happy about this. And he goes, man, you know, it's great. He had had a six-figure job. And it was gone, and he's excited. And I was like, dude, how, what, what? And he goes, you know what, it was an answer to prayer. I've been asking God to give me more time to spend with him. And I looked at that, and I said, man, I, I don't understand it. Because I didn't. Because there were so many, it was at that time when we were going through an economic downturn and so many people were in the news for taking their own lives because they lost their jobs in similar fashion, couldn't provide for their families anymore. And yet this guy was so excited because his hope was not in his money. It wasn't in his job. It was in the one who sits on the throne. And man, it was so neat to see. It was a lesson that I've never, and I don't think I ever will forget. Because I could see it right in front of me. It wasn't fake and it wasn't an act. He was genuinely excited for the trial that he was going through because of what God was giving him in it. And it blew me away. That was what Paul's talking about. He didn't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't quit. No, it's in those most difficult moments that the growth happens. Don't forget that he's not done with you. And man, when he is, you'll be able to look back and see how he used those things that Satan was throwing at you to tear you apart just like he did with, tried to do with Peter and how God uses that in you to strengthen the brethren. Remember that if you're going through the trials today, man, God's using this or will use it. And if you fall, you falter in it, remember also the hope that was given to Peter because Peter didn't do so hot in that trial. When you return. Peter, I know you're going to struggle through this, but when you return, strengthen the brethren. Maybe that's where you're at. Return so you can strengthen the brethren.